Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 166 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Borage and my Ford Ranger truck. These are the two things keeping me awake at night at the moment. Listen in to find out why. Beekeeping Short and Sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. I'm delighted to say that our podcast is now sponsored in part by Simon the Beekeeper. Making beekeeping an affordable hobby for everyone, Simon the Beekeeper provides the best value beekeeping equipment possible, along with a super fast delivery service. The bees won't wait, so their customers don't have to either. Visit the website at www simonthebeekeeper.co.uk Welcome back to the podcast everyone and a belated happy summer solstice to you all. Midsummer has been and gone and now we're on the slippery slope heading towards the second half of the season and the summer nectar flow which is about to kick off in earnest. I've actually seen many reports recently of a June gap locally but to be honest I've not really experienced it mainly because we have a lot of brambles that are now starting to flower and various other plants such as dog rose which are providing our bees with a few morsels of forage while we wait for the main flow to begin. The biggest reason we're not seeing any starvation challenges with our colonies is that we made sure that they have enough food stores to see them through any probable gap in forage and this is a simple process of checking the brood box for food stores, making sure that they have a few frames of food available, or leaving them with the lowermost super that they have been storing any honey in. It's not good leaving a super on them if it's the empty one that you've put on them to clear the bees into. You do need to leave them some food. Of course, all colonies are somewhat different in their needs, and many will have put away ample stores in their brood boxes. Some, however, will have filled the brood box from side to side or back to front with brood, and there won't be any room for stores, this being put up into the supers. And if you take it all away, the bees are going to starve. Just have a quick look at the food stores when you inspect next time and just reassure yourself that you've got it right. Something that has worked in our favour recently is a period of rainy weather conditions. It must have been overnight in some instances because our garden water butts are full to the top again and that hasn't happened just through the daytime rain. One of the huge benefits of this rain is to give all of our potential nectar plants a good watering. Parched plants don't yield a huge amount of nectar, so I'm hopeful that for at least the beginning of the summer nectar flow, we will have plants that should yield a reasonable amount of nectar. These plants can't produce nectar from thin air. They too need resources in order to do what they need to do, and that's attract pollinators. The offer of some sweet nectar and nutritious pollen can only happen if the plants are in good shape and have plenty of resources themselves. I'm fairly lucky here in that quite a number of our apiaries are located near rivers or other water bodies, such as the fishing lakes. The roots of the brambles and trees go deep into the ground in search of the water, and many have their roots dipping into the rivers themselves. 
Now is a good time to see how our colonies are doing in terms of the numbers of bees. What we have now is pretty much our foraging force for the summer flow and I've seen a lot of colonies with adult bees emerging and beginning to increase the overall size of their colony in time for this important period of the year. Any eggs laid now will just about make it into the summer foraging force but in a couple of weeks time those eggs that are laid will result in bees that will emerge to miss out on our summer flow. Here in Norfolk for my bees the end of July signals the end of that nectar flow and we then begin the process of setting colonies up for autumn and winter but let's not dwell on the thought of autumn and winter just yet though. We still have a great summer of beekeeping to look forward to and hopefully a fantastic crop of honey to enjoy at the end of all our hard work. My thoughts this week have been taken up predominantly with the summer honey crop and we've run into a few stiff challenges this week. I can't quite remember if I mentioned the opportunity we have to move our bees to a farm that has sown some borage. It's the first time we've ever had a chance to get our bees on some borage that has been farmed rather than a few handfuls of seed scattered around the allotment. And it has been giving me a few sleepless nights, I have to say. I actually visited the farm a couple of weeks ago to walk the fields with the farmer and plan where we could put our hives. We settled on three nice spots and the farmer agreed to put out some pallets for us to set our hives on. We are having to move the bees using the truck and trailer so putting stands on board as well would have been a lot of work and setting up the hives on pallets works nicely as long as I have my kneeling mat to save my knobbly knees from the stony ground. Borage is a fantastic plant for our bees and yields large quantities of nectar provided the conditions are good. I suspect this means warm sunshine and some regular water and as I said earlier plants need resources too. Most of what I know about borage comes from knowledge picked up over time, a bit of gardening and mostly chatting to other beekeepers about how they deal with it. Borago officinalis is an annual flowering plant that has long been associated with medicines and culinary use. Although I don't think I've ever used it knowingly in any cooking or drinks. I have seen the flowers used in ice cubes and scattered over salads and the like to make them look nice and I'm not really sure it tastes of anything but no doubt in the interest of scientific research I'll try eating a few flowers while we're inspecting to see what it does taste like. Most of the information I have been able to pick up from a science perspective has come from a couple of published papers and I'll add links to the podcast notes for you. Borage is also known as the star flower plant, I guess because of the shape and structure of its flowers. No shock there, I hear you say. The plants can grow to a height of nearly a metre and branches into several axillary stems. It becomes somewhat bushy, I guess that means. What is important is that it needs insect pollination to set its seed and produces lots of nectar and pollen to attract those insects. It also has a fairly long flowering period, as much as eight weeks from what I've read, so I'm wondering if we'll see our foraging season extend beyond the end of July as I was talking about earlier. It looks like our honeybees look to collect both the nectar for honey and pollen, so it should be an excellent resource for them. Rather excitedly, borage is listed here in the UK among the principal honey flows of the year, so I am anticipating, in my usual optimistic way, that we might see a good crop of honey this summer. I have seen borage honey on many occasions, 
not my own, I hasten to add, but at various shows around the country and in other beekeepers' settling tanks and jars. Those are the times when you smile nicely at your fellow beekeeper and congratulate them on such a splendid crop before going home and crying in your beer for not being able to find any borage again that season. Anyway, that's all about to change, I hope. Borage honey is a very pale honey, sometimes bordering on colourless from what I've seen. Tastes okay. It's not my favourite honey as I like quite a strong flavour to my honey and borage never seems to be particularly full-bodied. Now I'm beginning to sound like a wine connoisseur. Still, what do I know? I've never really had enough to make a proper judgment on it. All I know is that there's lots of honey potential in borage and this year I'm hoping to benefit from some very hard work. It seems the flowers on the borage plant develop slowly at first and then progress to peak flowering around the third week of the flowering process before beginning to slowly decrease again. But it does continue to flower for that extended period of time, again, provided the conditions are favourable, fingers crossed. As usual, it wouldn't be beekeeping if there wasn't a slight bump in the road. And this week, that bump in the road appeared in the form of yet another Ford Ranger catastrophe. I've been planning the road trip with the bees to the borage for the last 10 days or so. Everything was planned and dates set for this week. It's a fair old trek to move the bees as the farm isn't just down the road. I hope you won't mind if I don't give out the exact location, but security of my bees is always on my mind. Anyway, last Sunday, I was out with Steph in the truck heading over to remove the last of the spring honey from our honey pour hives. We'd only travelled a mile or so down the road when I noticed the windscreen was getting rather misted up and there was no warm air coming through the vents in the truck cab. Puzzled by this, I glanced around the various dials and displays on the dashboard and saw to my horror that the temperature gauge was way above its normal position. In fact, it was maxed out. We had just coincidentally stopped at some traffic lights and all of this happened in the briefest of moments before a large cloud of steam erupted from under the bonnet. Something had obviously gone terribly wrong. We managed to get a short tow around the corner from the traffic lights, which were on a main road, and I stood scratching my head wondering what on earth to do next. As you know, I'm not particularly mechanically minded. A quick call to my brother, and he was on his way with water for the radiator, and a reassuring comment that it's probably a hose that's ruptured. A few minutes later, I get another call from him to say he's got a puncture and won't, after all, be coming to my rescue. How on earth does that happen? Honestly, you couldn't make it up. I decided to walk to the local shop, buy some water and top it up myself. After a few anxious discussions with Steph, we decided to try to limp back to the unit and reassess what on earth to do from there. Finally, the gods decided to look down on us sympathetically and we made it back without any further drama, closely followed by my brother and his son who'd fixed their puncture and also had limped back to base. What followed was a series of head-scratching questions and not so many answers, probable causes, search for leaks, suggestions about removing various parts of the engine to delve a little deeper, but all to no avail. I just don't have the ability to diagnose such problems. YouTube on this occasion was not particularly helpful and the various forums out there, is it forums or fora? Anyway, the Facebook Ford Rangers owners group and the like all came up with the usual helpful and not so helpful suggestions. 
including a couple of fairly unkind comments to boot. And that, as I digress, is the reason I set up my beekeeping Facebook group to stop those stupid, unhelpful comments when all you want is a straight, honest answer to an immediate problem you have. Anyway, back to the problem in hand. The truck, now leaking water from somewhere hidden, sat outside the unit. The honey stayed on the beehives. Thank heavens I wasn't in the process of moving bees to the borage. I shudder to think what might have been the consequences of not getting them on site and sitting in the hot sun for half a day, blocked up in their hives. Well anyway, to cut a very long story short, the next day I was able to roll the truck down the hill to the garage, fortunately no driving required, and they agreed to take a look at it and report back, but couldn't do it until the next day. The next day, in fact, was supposed to be the first trip to the borage with the bees, so you can see how close we were to a total disaster. It became apparent fairly quickly this was not a simple broken hose issue. The garage mechanic appeared at the unit door with a notepad and a very long list of numbers, all beginning with a pound sign. He explained that the problem was in fact a pinhole split in the oil cooler unit that sits just above the oil filter, tucked on the side of the engine behind the turbo and beneath the vast majority of other engine parts which are beyond me to name. The only available part is a genuine Ford part, sharp intake of breath, that's obviously going to be expensive. A few gaskets, a huge chunk of labour and we ended up with a bill of astronomical proportions. My options are pretty limited really, carry out the repair or junk the ranger and I can't afford to junk the ranger. I'm told it may be done within the week due to waiting for Ford to send out the part and I've spoken to the farmer and he appears to be understanding and will wait for my bees. The spring honey is still on the bees and that will likely as not have to be cut out now as it will probably have granulated and to be honest this borage really has to produce a decent crop to pay for the repair. It's funny how much we rely on these mechanical workhorses to help us carry out our daily routine and we're completely stuck without them. Hopefully it won't be missing for too long. Something else you don't want to be missing is my latest podcast. A podcast subscription will get you the very latest tips and techniques from me each week as they're released. As things stand, it's going to cost less than a couple of Starbucks coffees. And remember, that's drive through prices if you can get your truck to drive through the drive through Anyway, head over to my Patreon page and sign up to my Podcast Plus tier for the very latest beekeeping chat and an occasional lesson in car mechanics. That's it for this week. I'll catch up with you all again next time, but for now, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping short and sweet. Beekeeping short and sweet.